You're listening to Scratch and Sniff Online with Nick Randall. Hello and a very warm welcome to the very first Scratch and Sniff Online, formerly of RTE's National Radio in Ireland. And yes, after four years, we've broken free from our moorings and are about to soar into cyberspace with an occasional series of programmes featuring an eclectic range of interviews and music. Our special guest today has taken on some tarons in Doctor Who, tropical diseases in Tenko, and the Mitchell brothers in Albert Square. And if you're looking for further clues, take a listen to these following extracts. The man they were carrying was dead. He had been stabbed through the heart. Really, miss? And how can you be sure of that? I am a warrior of the Sever team. I know the different sounds of death. Now put our prisoner to the torture! Don't you doubt me! Not when Rose just lies there helpless, a living symbol of the bloody lot of us! Oh, hello, Jim. Uh, Susan, I was wondering, how are you fixed for dinner tonight? Tonight, no, I can't. I'm having dinner with a client. Could you get out of it? <laughs> you mean the way you're always getting out of your work to come and have dinner with me? She destroyed Beppe, you know. 18 months it took us to put him back together again. We took turns to look after Joe. We kept the restaurant running. It nearly ripped us apart. You want to be a DeMarco, my girl? You better start behaving like one. Ladies and gentlemen, trance beings and multiforms, give it up for the English rose that is Louise Jameson. Well, Louise Jameson, thank you so much for coming on board Scratch and Sniff Online, our very first show since we parted amicably with RTE, and uh, we wanted an A-lister on, so we got you. Oh, I, I had no idea this was the first. I feel very honoured. It is. It's the very first one that's going to go out, so hopefully a lot of people are going to enjoy this, obviously for the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who, but... For me, it's not just about Doctor Who. I want to talk about all the stuff you've done. You have had so many wonderful parts over the years. Theatre, TV, you, you know, you've never been away. No, which is, I've been very lucky. Which is a real achievement, especially yeah. for, a, for an ex-Doctor Who girl. girl <laughs> no disrespect to any of the others, but from the original series, I would say the most successful in terms of diverse high-profile roles afterwards. I think I was lucky in as much as I was uh, accepted at RADA at 17 and out and trained at 19. And pretty soon after that, I went to the Royal Shakespeare Company for nearly three years. And they took me all over the world and continued my training. So I came to Doctor Who with a full-on classical background and had, had got myself just a little bit of a name in the theatre before I ventured into a series. It was a very deliberate decision. I'm surprised they backed you, actually. I mean, it it was just something... I mean, well, we can get into that later, because obviously I guess you were looking for TV experience, but um, in a a long-running show. Well, my agent was very uh, keen that I raised my profile on the television. I'd done odds and sods. I was the first person to get murdered in a soap. Oh, lovely. In in Emmerdale with uh, Fraser. Oh, yes, Fraser (laughs) Hines. Yes. Cotton Socks. When, when did you get that initial eureka spark that you wanted to was four. Tre- tread the boards? Aged four. Aged four, right? I'd played Little Miss Muffet okay. rather triumphantly. To your school or...? To my school, to all the mums. And um, 
And when I leapt up, Judith Black was the spider. And when I leapt up and screamed, they'd given me, rather stupidly, a glass bowl of curds and whey. And uh, it shattered. And I screamed and I ran off and they came and I literally stopped the show because, of course, they had to clean the floor. (laughs) Yes, all those little four-year-old barefoots. But I remember the mothers really laughing and clapping. And I remember distinctly standing the other side of the door going, yay, this is what I want to do. Fantastic. I know, it's extraordinary. Were your parents in the professional? My mother was Queen of the Amdrams. She was a wonderful actress, Mm. actually, a really good actress. And I think she made a very conscious decision to make her career motherhood. As indeed did Elizabeth Slayton during those years when she brought up a daughter. She pretty well wasn't working, I think. Yeah. 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 So motherhood has to be at the top of the list. When did you first, when was your first professional role then? I mean, the very first thing that went out was one line with Marty Feldman. I went up and just did one line in his show. And the line was, Dead cats turn me on. <laughs> and my agent said, Will you call me if you get a punchline? Because if you've got a punchline, you get more money. So I rang her up and told her the sketch and I told her my line. And she went, Well, is it a punchline? And I went, Absolutely. No idea. And when it went out, they dubbed a laugh over it. (laughs) So it obviously was a punchline. Yes. I was painting his boots with nail varnish when I did it, wearing a big floppy hat. It was a a very bizarre day. That's the first thing that went out. The first thing I did was Cider with Rosie. I had four lines in Cider with Mm -hmm. Rosie, and that went out on Christmas Day. 1971. Oh, that's a nice treat for your family. It was lovely. Oh, wasn't how it? wonderful. Yeah. That's, that's really and my, nice. And it was a real treat for my dad because my mum said that we weren't getting a colour television set until mm. I was on the telly. And then, of course, oh. in May, I got the May the 1st, I got my first job. Right. And um, dad went, right, colour telly then. That's fantastic. <laughs> Did your parents, once they realised you were serious, encourage you or. or were they quite resistant? I kind of did to both. It? I got a bit of a mixed message. I got, um, I got. They said you've got to get another qualification. We don't care what it is. Yeah. So I looked around and I learnt to touch type. I'm a really good typist. Really good. I can. I don't know how many words. I, do, I use one finger. Uh, yeah, as it were. And um, not, well, I'm not terribly grateful. Of course, we'd no idea how computers were going to develop. Uh, yeah. Back in 71, or that I would at any point become a writer. Mm. So how useful is that? I mean, it's just wonderful. I did try and learn shorthand as well, not not terribly well. I just put the odd secret in my diary in short. The day I lost my virginity, I wrote that in Pittman's <laughs> Ooh, shorthand. Oh, it's exclusive <laughs> here on Scratch and Sniff. I mean, even if I do a text, I'm always subbing it because I don't want uh, or something on Facebook. Cause I don't want people thinking I can't spell. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I can't spell, so, you I'm know, I'm hopeless. I'm always amazing. asking Andy, my lovely partner, how to spell the most ridiculously easy words and bless him, he'll just, you know, he'll just rattle them all out <laughs> Are me. you dyslexic? I don't know. I don't. Perhaps I might be mildly... There are certain... Is this boring? Can I just no, say no? Because I'm a bit, and my okay. kids both are. Um, so I know a lot about dyslexia. Oh. If anybody's listening who is dyslexic, mm. I would urge you to read a book called The Gift of Dyslexia mm-hmm. by Ron Davis, D-A-V-I-S. Okay. Um, and they, they talk there about trigger words because basically dyslexics are picture thinkers. So if something doesn't have a picture attached to it, it becomes very difficult to spell. So mm. words like through, for... Um, under, in, of, uh, they, they trigger the brain because you can't attach mm. a picture to it. And then a little panic sets in and then everything goes haywire. 
scratch and sniff. So let's talk about drama school. Let's just move back a little bit and okay. talk about when you made the decision. You went and got in successfully to RADA. Yeah. I mean, that's. I think you're only one of two uh, assistants from the original series. And Mary was in my time. Mary Tam, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, they, they obviously picked quality there. What was it like? I loved it. Hmm. Our term had a had a decade span in it. You know, I was 17 and the oldest person was 27 or 28 even. And um, they had more trouble with it because it was quite school oriented. If you were late three times, the third time you were kicked out. That was it. That was the discipline. These kids don't have it nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, they were so hot on punctuality and so hot on never missing a show. And, and can I say that you arrived absolutely five <laughs> o'clock, whereas me, who's usually late for my own funeral, was there half an hour early, panicking like anything. Has she gone to the wrong entrance? <laughs> uh, I'm normally there a touch earlier. I mean, I did no, just no, no, skim no. in. It's fine. We'll, we'll let you off this <laughs> once. Now, you studied the um, the teachings of, now can I pronounce it properly, uh, Stanislavski, who was very much a sort of motivational actor and tapping into inhabiting that person. Mm-hmm. And apparently you've taken this every role you've done since. Is that right? Yes, I think actors do it almost mm. instinctively. Yeah. You find a little bit of yourself and you you uh, expand that. You blow it up like a balloon mm. to take over the whole character. But basically, you have to step on stage wanting one thing the objective Mm. and basically there is something in the way the obstacle so you Mm. need to be really clear about what your objective is what the obstacle is and how your character decides to move their way around Mm. it I think it's an amazing form of uh, teaching kids it's a fantastic tool It, Mm. it teaches the profession it treats the profession with such respect however I don't think it should be the only form of teaching you also need to know about breath control and rhythm Mm. and try thongs and how to use the Mm. punctuation becoming trees (laughs) (laughs) well well i I have played a tree in a production of a midsummer night's dream at rada he made us he made the entire cast of i'm doing Mm. it it's not very good for radio (laughs) is it made the entire cast a forest it's a fantastic tree ladies and gentlemen yeah Mm. yeah convincing yeah yeah, it worked definitely so and then we all would fall you know like Oberon and Titania so we had our backs Mm. to the audience in all this camouflage uh, and then we would turn around and be the fairies so it was Mm. quite it was theatrically very interesting so there is a space to be a tree bloody boring to stand there for 20 minutes well yeah I would have thought so scratch and sniff The theatre background, don't you? Yes. Yeah. So that's your your first true love. Yes. And that's because of the immediacy of from the audience. Of, yes. Yeah. I, it, it's the ancient art of storytelling, isn't mm. it? You take something right from the beginning, and the audience leave the theatre a little bit changed. Mm. Be they happier, sadder, more thoughtful. They want to discuss something. I think you have an effect on people, and I think there's something about group energy that is indescribable. Really. How, how difficult was it to? adapt your skills for TV then? I mean, did you have any training at rather for television no, acting? Then, no, right. none at all. No, I think we had two hours with mm. a cameraman once in two and a half years. Um, Doctor Who taught me my camera okay. work and, and almost exclusively Pennant Roberts about hitting marks, finding lights. Mm. Um, television director, of course. Yeah, 
Bergerac 2 taught me a lot because John Nettles Single is... Single camera stuff, wasn't it, though? Yeah. yeah. John Nettles is the master of camera uh-huh. technique. And he would say things like, um, look, you know, if the camera was over his left shoulder, mm. he'd make sure I looked at his left eye and not his right eye so the right. camera had more of my face. Just tiny little Great things detail. like that. If you look at the sun with your eyes closed... For six seconds, you can open them for about six seconds without having to squint. The sun is directly out. Just little tricks like mm. that. He taught me, which doesn't touch on Stanislavski. No, <laughs> you know, no. Stanislavski would completely reject that right. form of uh, technique. He was a Russian director of um, yes. an actor as well, yes. wasn't he? So yes. he apparently inspired socialism in Russia. Am I, am I right? I had a I had a mother out of law. I lived with somebody for for five years during okay. my twenties, and mm-hmm. his mum was a woman called Vera Vlasova, who I'm glad uh, you said that. <laughs> who knew. Um, who knew Stanislavski and uh, lectured on him in seven different languages around mm. the world. She'd also worked with Chekhov's nephew. Wow. So I have, you know, just a little bit. A little of, bit of connection yes, there. Yeah. Oh, that is but she was extraordinary. Cool. You know, we'd say to her, do you want a cup of tea, love, in the morning? She'd go, no, don't worry about me. I'm just depressed. That's all. I mean, it was full on. <laughs> Show me to the next whiskey bar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, show us the way to the next whiskey bar. Oh, don't ask why. Oh, don't ask why. Scratch and sniff. So there's been a lot of um, big productions you've worked on, Romeo and Juliet, Taming of a Shrew, King Lear, The Passion Play. Tell us about some of the most rewarding roles that you've done on stage. I think the breech ladies really stand out from Shakespeare. You know, the ones that get dressed up as boys. They're such mm. fun to play because you can be slightly sacrilegious with it all. And I played Rosalind in As You Like It in Regent's Park. Oh, um, wonderful. Yeah, loved, yeah. really loved doing that. Um, we started that in Nottingham and then had to move outdoors with it. So a lot of the subtlety went, but I suddenly understood Shakespeare in a way that I hadn't before. Mm. This is the early 80s because the whole thing had to be so pumped up. The best time to, to, to watch out of outdoor theatre mm-hmm. is after it's rained. After it's after rained. After it's rained. Because <laughs> the leaves are heavy with with water mm-hmm. and they don't rustle so you haven't got if there's the slightest breeze you haven't got mm. that because Regent's Park is that there's really lots of trees mm. going on while you're trying to tell someone that you love them rather delicately yeah. and of course I did it before they had any microphones or anything you're actually taking me to a completely different thing in TV when you're in the Amiga factor and <laughs> you had this wonderful hair but it was like it was a serious outdoor scene and it was like <laughs> it was here it was there and continuity must have been an absolute bugger if you I remember my that friend. day that was that was uh, up Edinburgh Castle oh that, yeah that was with it. Jimmy yeah. Hazeldean I remember yep. the day we were so cold absolutely and cursing the fact that we hadn't decided on a ponytail for that uh, yeah, <laughs> particular that be piece of Absolutely. film. Or a hat or something yes, like yeah. that. You worked with Ian McKellen as well. Action. Wizard, you shall not pass. Cut. I have. Like? I have. That, that was really interesting. I, I had a very difficult time on that show. It was called Marquis of Keith. And I had to play a sort of rather dowdy wife in it and he had this rather glamorous mistress played by Sarah Kestelman and that was really my first big role at the RSC and I Mm. don't think anybody quite trusted me. Once I got on stage and got going and they all left me alone, the part came to life but actually during rehearsals I got shouted at quite a lot. 
wasn't nice. Not by Ian. Oh, Ian yeah. never did. Um, and he had a stalker that time as well. It was a rather fraught time at the oh, RSC. Gosh. It was all a bit, all a bit peculiar. The whole process. But as I say, once we were up and running, the whole thing went brilliantly. So okay. So obviously, you've established yourself in the theatre after going to rather Royal Shakespeare Company, done some wonderful work. But then your agent says, "Hey, it's time to try a different discipline, yeah. raise a profile." Yeah. And apparently you got down to the last three per uh, ten. The last, last ten, ten. Yes. Oh, well, let's say three. And brief. weirdly enough, so did John Nettles. Hey. And oh, well, not no, obviously not as Purdy. Sorry. No, no, but, <laughs> but for the for the, the guy. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. And um, uh, somebody gave me a bit of paper, and we were partnered up together with question marks beside us oh. as a possible how, duo to how go prophetic is only that? Just, I've only just found that out right I don't think he knows actually I have to show him the how paper. would you have felt if you got that that uh, job then I mean, oh well you know who wants Joanna Lumley's <laughs> career <laughs> no well, I'd have been thrilled yeah. as thrilled as you know Doctor Who it was, and I went mm. up for Angels got very close to that yes, that didn't happen remember that The survivors that didn't happen. Oh, uh, Abby's part. Don't know. Oh, you wouldn't know the names now, but um, one of the main characters. Right. So, which in actual fact, I got Doctor Who because of that interview, because that was another Pennant Roberts interview, and Pennant had a little black book where he had all his actors down, and he put stars by how good they were. Apparently, I had a few stars by my name, so I was called in again yeah. when it came to Doctor so Who So it was time. only a matter of time, really. It was just like, which which big role were you going to get? And you... Do you know, I think I felt that confident then, yeah. Well, it's funny, fantastic. Well, there's nothing wrong with being... You've, you've got to be. Yeah. How... We just thought, well, we'll go for a TV series, and we did. Yeah. And it happened. How did, how did you feel when you got that? Uh, I mean, were you much I of a fan? Did you did you know oh, about the fan. show? Oh, yes, it was ah. an absolute family event. I mean, it started when I was 12, um, and we weren't allowed food in our living room. My mother oh, right. was quite strict about okay. that, that. We always had to sit around the table or eat in the kitchen. Mm. And... Um, we were allowed it on when Doctor Who was on. It was a big family. Dad came home from the snooker club, and we had a trolley with the eggs and the baked beans and the. Th- and we How cool that you do- loved it, and then I you were in it. it. I just think that it's fantastic. Absolutely loved mm. it, but I tell you, I remember sitting on my. I had to sort of put you up. I had this little flat in in West Hampstead, and I sat on the put you up, and I thought, right now I've got. I put the phone down. I was on my own in the. No, no mobile phone or anything, because of course you'd be straight on the mobile phone, wouldn't yeah. you, to your nearest and dearest? Nothing like that. Yeah. I sat there and I thought, well, I can get those shelves put up now, and I'm going to meet the Daleks. Exterminate! And neither of those things happened. Oh, you didn't do the shelves even. <laughs> oh, shelves never got put up. Because there was no Daleks, no. And I never met the Daleks. Oh. I've met them on Big Finish. But... The Dalek ship? We cannot go there. There will be Daleks waiting to ambush us. <laughs> Can I show you this letter? I yes. got this lovely letter. I don't know which, which camera. Try it over on four. Oh, four, five. I got this lovely letter from a girl called Catherine. Please, could you start putting clothes on? Love from Catherine. <laughs> Savage. Found floating down the Amazon in a hat box. A hat box. What was it like wearing all that chamois leather as Leela? <laughs> it's terribly uncomfortable. Chafing. 
was really, really uncomfortable. Um, they very sweetly put a little leather uh, flap on the back for me because I was very right. conscious of my arse. Right. Always have been. So I wanted to put a little... You know, little uh, I'm sure some of the vanity. dads after the football results appreciated <laughs> it as well. Um, but then, and and it took hours to pee because I had to it oh. had to take the whole thing off. But it's galactic pee. But then, <laughs> did they have a loo in the TARDIS? <laughs> of course, they've got everything in the TARDIS. <laughs> they had a swimming pool. They must have had a lavatory in the changing room. But so then they did a little alteration and it became much easier. Listen, Doctor, I do not like the way you keep talking about my ancestors. I like your new dress. Thank you. But on you were audio. the original owner or co-owner of K9. I was mm. the uh, owner. That hasn't been forgotten. I know. Respects of a Respect. late, great Elizabeth Slade, <laughs> who, and I read in her autobiography that uh, apparently when she left, and quite understandably, well, she wasn't a particular fan. Her sort of feelings were, I mean, it was no disrespect to you because she didn't know you at the time, but just that, well, I don't want to see um, the doctor with, with his new girlfriend, you know, because <laughs> <laughs> it would you know, she'd find it difficult. But apparently she was uh, with her husband, Brian Miller, in a theatre in Richmond. And you happened to be in the bar. And you apparently you went up to her and said, oh, hi, I'm, I'm going to be the new Doctor oh, Who assistant. Oh, yes, I remember yeah, that. I, and she, she, you said, oh, can you give me any tips? So that was your first meeting with her all those oh, years funny. ago. Yes, I've completely I only know this from that. reading the book, yeah. Completely forgotten that. And, of course, when Mary got it, she was on the phone going... How much are they paying you? What's, <laughs> and what's Tom Baker like to work with? Absolutely. Oh, dear. So, I mean, we, we don't really have to go into big detail. It's been documented very well before. But I guess Tom Baker had been working with Lisbeth Sladen from the beginning of, of his mm. thing. And Leela was a very different character. Yeah, she invited him into the series and then yes. he was established by the time Absolutely. I came. So, uh, I mean, it, it presumably it, it certainly didn't show on screen. I mean, it was absolute tight I performances. I thing, you know, I think we, we've always had enormous respect for each other's abilities and talent and intelligence. I don't think that was ever in any doubt. Um, the fact that we didn't really get on personally, you know, we're professionals. We're both very, very professional. In, in a sense, it's not relevant. I mean, it yeah. sounds cold, but it's well, like I you're think, there to do a job. I and... think it almost added to the frisson, you know. Are you, you all right? right? You are very heavy. How did you find me? Well, I just felt something was wrong, so I followed the feeling. Yes. I did. Yes, of course you did. Hey. What? Have I saved your life? Yes. Because mm. whatever tension we felt could mm. be channeled. Mm. It wasn't, we weren't indifferent to each other. That would have been that would have been something yes, horrible. Yes, absolutely. Um, and now it, I'm so fond of him. Mm. I'm so, it, it astounds me that you know up to about what five years ago I'd have I'd have said you know he's the one person I would never work with again. Gosh. And um, well, actually, no, there are probably. <laughs> Three people. Dig them out. No, I'm joking. No, but you know that's in in a whatever it is, 45 year career. That's not bad going, is it? Mm. Three. I would just hate for anyone to go away with the impression that I don't I don't love working with him and that he's been hugely apologetic and you know all that stuff. So I don't. You're you're working with him on Big Finish. Big Finish. Yeah, we've got eight. Doctor and Leela again. Beam activated. What? What are you doing? 
to me. Your mind is entering the first phase of robotization control. You will not, will not control me. Cerebral scanners register above normal levels of instinctive, independent thought. Power must be increased. Get me out of this thing! Yeah. Eight stories lined up for this year. Oh, how exciting. Yes, yeah. I'm writing but, one of them. Oh, for, oh, you? Yeah. That is fantastic. I know. With Nigel. Just, with Nigel Fares. I love, yes, of course, Nigel Fares we'll get on to in, in a while, but I love the way that Doctor Who sort of feeds off all this creative energy and then the next generation might employ people who worked there yeah. before. And yeah. it's just one big happy family which just grows. It, and, um, it's, I, there's nothing else like mm. it in the business. And I think a lot of credit has to go to David Richardson who's um, producer, one of the producers okay. at Big Finish mm-hmm. and, and has a lot of brainchild children that he just yes, feeds absolutely. in. Yes, absolutely. Did you ever time. think you would come back? to when, Once you finish your no. job no. and, yeah, marry me off and <laughs> whatever, and they didn't no. believe you were going to leave, apparently. No, they didn't. So that's why I have this awkward scene when suddenly you're going to hook up with... Um, a Time Lord guard. A Time Lord. Come on, Mr. Mother. I'm staying. Staying? Yeah. Yes, I mean, it was not a good piece of writing, but it, it mm. was, you know, they they really hoped I'd change my mind. So they wrote something that was quite woolly. It was woolly enough to change at the last mm. minute. So that was the thinking behind that. It's a shame. But, mm. um, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. No, earlier. I know. No, I just was, it was just a sort of a compliment. But I mean, you, you, I get the impression you're universally liked and, and people who are universally liked, who give out a lot of good vibes, tend to attract nice people. So it doesn't... Surprise me, but there's only three people, and what, and that's now two, <laughs> who are whatever. Because uh, yes. anyway, yes, that's, that's reduced to two. Yes, it's reduced absolutely. to two now. I'm pleased about that. And one that. of the others is dead. <laughs> well, we, uh, we never liked him. So anyway, we're down so. to one now. <laughs> Scratch and sniff. We have to talk about one of my all-time favourite TV dramas mm. ever. I mean, I, I'm a huge Doctor Who fan and we want to talk more about it for 50th anniversary and that's what fans want to hear and stuff. But I want to talk about Blanche Simmons and Tenko. <laughs> Just figured out a humdinger bit of undermining. Guard's hut. If you unfaithful look out, I can slip in and nick the duty roster. That should put that knickers in a twist. What's the point? Point? Point. Why don't you start? For one short moment when I thought Rosa got away, there was hope for us all. But now... Hmm. That. Fourteen months, one week and three days, and where has hope got us, hmm? Myrtle, gangrene, Mrs Chang, septic, Something gone wrong. And her, and her, and her, and Debbie, and our Sal, and you were good out when she saw one. Don't, don't you, don't me! Not when Rose just lies there, helpless, a living symbol of the bloody lot of us! Where there's life? Life? When each time they die, so do bits of us, the dead burying the living. Let me tell you something. Out there somewhere, Inside what's left of Sylvia's brain, there are things I've felt only she understood, cow that she was. 
and I can't even remember what they were. What's so special about you and all of us? Even me. What the hell does it matter what we've lost? As long as it's not a anger. Anger? I can't even feel that, not any longer. Even for Christina. I love Blanche. You know, I think Blanche and Leela are very similar. If you you know they have no uh, no censorship between their brain and Mm. their mouth, they're feisty. They (laughs) work on instinct. Mm. They they're both uneducated. Mm. They both live in their respective jungles Mm. and and are survivors, Mm. come what may. Mm. So I I think there's a great similarity. And again, Pennant Roberts casting me. But what a wonderful part to to get or to or to be offered after Doctor Who something so completely different. Well, you know, I was originally offered Rose. Do you know this? I didn't story? know that. Yes, no. I was offered Rose by Play Pennant. by Stephanie Beecham. Play in by the Stephanie end. Beecham, mm. and they said, um, "Come in and meet Ken Reddington, the executive producer. Mm. Uh, it's just lip service. He just wants to cast an eye over you." Mm. And he took one look at me and he went, "You're much too much of a tart." He said, "I oh. think." He said, "I think you should play Blanche." And I was put in this privileged positions not happened before or since or anything like it in a room like this with seven scripts which weren't allowed out of the building Mm -hmm. and I had to read them all and a synopsis for a Mm. further two and although Blanche had at that point three fewer episodes she didn't get to go to Singapore or Kuala Lumpur like Mm. the others did didn't come in until we got to the camp uh I just knew it just Mm. leapt off the page. Mm. I just thought this woman, I Mm. know this woman. She's Mm. in many respects everything I would like to be. And um, because of that, uh, I didn't start work until six, seven weeks after all the others. So I slipped in a little job at Bromley called Whose Life Is It Anyway? Mm -hmm. at Bromley Theatre. And I met the father of my first child. Oh, wonderful. So Harry would never have existed yes if i'd accepted rose it's, Isn't it funny it's a lovely way the... jobs link with the personal <laughs> side as well and... and when i was asked to go back into doctor who if i'd accepted that tenko would never have happened yes it's called john nathan turner wanted you back yeah to he? see oh, to oversee tom leaving and peter mm. joining but he wanted me back for a whole season in mm. fact he wanted me for two it's quite an unusual unusual thinking actually once somebody's left to, to do something like that. I can understand why why he would want you. He wanted to... the fans not to feel, because Tom was so established as the mm, Doctor, wasn't mm. he? He'd done, what, six, seven yeah, years? Yeah, seven years. Seven years. Yeah. He was so established as the Doctor, his thinking was that they wanted the fan, he wanted the fans to have somebody that they felt comfortable yeah. with, that they knew. It's quite a clever and in idea, the end, really. it was a completely new lineup of yeah. three people, yeah. which was quite unusual. Doctor? Doctor? Did you meet any of the survivors of the prisoner walkouts. Yeah, we had a, a woman called Molly who was on set. Molly Smith. Yeah. Yeah, I remember the name coming up on the credits. She's a camp advisor, it said. Yeah. yeah. She was there from 10 to 14. She was in a camp and her mother died while oh. they were there. And she never sat down. She stood very straight with her handbag in front of her all the time, oh. holding onto her possessions. And there was one day... Um, she and I were chatting on the edge of the studio, so we were all in costume. And one of the 
guards walked walked past us to get into position, and she went <gasps> like oh, this and did Jesus this terrible. And she just looked at me. She was very short. She looked at me. She said, "I'm so sorry." She said, "I thought I'd got through all that." That's and awful. I just thought, just that yeah, just yeah. tells you so and much. And just a setup for a TV show. How how much she suffered. And Lavinia Warner was she, darling then. Yeah, she was. Um, she was also in the same position, or. Was she uh, um, an internee? No, Lavinia was um, a researcher for Whose Life Is It Anyway? I'm with you. So she's the one who brought the story out. Yeah, and she left doing her researching job when she'd Mm. researched, because they didn't always, it wasn't always celebrities. Mm. Sometimes it was just people who'd done pretty heroic or wonderful Mm. things. And she was so fascinated by this particular woman's story that she gave up her job as a researcher, wrote a book called Beyond the Wire, and, uh, and then... Produce this amazing series, which mm. it, 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 were, it sounds so wonky, but it was <laughs> such a profound job. Mm. And for me, during my two, three years with it, I had two children. I became vegetarian. My mother died. Uh, I split up with my fa- I mean, it, a lot of memories. A so. lot. Mm. A, a life changing thing. One on top of the other, mm. on top of the other. And, um, Four of those women said to me at some point, uh, do you need somewhere to live? Because you and your baby can come and live with me Mm. if you need that. And that's that's family. And to this day, uh, there's a hardcore about six of us that Mm. meet up so regularly. And, you know, births, marriages, deaths... First night. She played Dorothy. You're a good friend of hers. Oh, Veronica Roberts. Yes. I think Ronnie's... Probably the best actress I've ever worked with. And she directed the show I'm touring with at the minute called My Gay Best Friend. Right. And it's the first time she's ever directed. And Mm -hmm. I would also say she's one of the best directors I've ever worked with. Uh, She's so talented. She's not terribly good at pushing herself forward. She's not a businesswoman, really. Mm. She's doing a Mike Lee film at the minute. So oh, she's working wow. at the minute, yeah. But you never know how much of it's going to reach the screen. She's yeah, got okay, six yeah, months' a work. A lot of... Um, Might end up on the cutting room floor. living and... Yes. Yeah. Scratch and sniff. Now, of course, with Tenka, I mean, the writing as well. We had Jill Heim, who wrote some of the, the best episodes mm. and, and then went on to do Howard's Way, but left because of what the BBC were doing to that programme. I mean, you, you had really good talent writing these scripts. Is it just so much easier when everything fits into place? Yeah, it was. It was um, Jill Hyman and, and Valerie was the and other Valerie, writer that's on it. it yes, yeah. um, you always knew Anne's script because it was full of stage directions and there's boils on her face and sores yes. running down her thing. And Jill's writing was m- much sparser. She kind of slightly trusted the actress maybe a little bit more mm, I think because mm. she's, she's trained as an actress so maybe that's not to say you know one script was better or worse than the other mm. it was you just knew it, who had written it without yeah. looking at the front page um, I think because the, it was writing because they mm. really researched those two I mm. mean they were so thorough because they were writing about women who had actually existed and, and that that comes with a that comes with such a sense of responsibility as mm. it, as it does with the actresses. You know, we wanted to honour them mm. in a way um, that there was no such thing as a small detail from you know the makeup department through to through to the where the full stop goes in the sentence. Mm. You know, everything mm. was so. And Lavinia is really 
keeps an eye on everything. Mm. She's, some would say, a control freak, but actually look at the end result. Yes, you so know, she, and, she knows what she's controlling. And she never upset mm. anybody while she Which did it, important. but she was really mm. clear about what she wanted mm. and how she wanted it. It was beautifully done. And it attracted some wonderful stars who... I mean, Stephanie Cole, Stephanie Beecham, of course, mm. Anne Bell, mm. Stephanie Cole, who's now in Coronation Street. Now, Stephanie Beecham, now this is a good one. She eventually got Sable Colby in Dynasty yes. and the Colbys. Yeah. And um, I thought she was, you know, another dazzling talent. But like your work, in terms of the TV work, I, I, I think you've done some of the best stuff I've ever seen you in in Tenko for TV. And with Stephanie, I felt the same as well. Obviously, she got this amazing golden ticket to do this thing in yeah. America. But, I, I mean, how would you feel if you were offered that part? Would you have gone for it or would you be concerned that it might take you away from... Ooh, uh, if I'd been offered it in my 20s, I think I'd have probably been there like a shot. I I was offered a heart-to-heart. Um, $10,000, you know, that was wow. a lot of money in yeah. the 70s. But I... I turned it down because I'd already signed for Bristol Old Vic over mm. here, and I was, you know, very honourable then. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> but I've, I, that's a really interesting question. I think yes, probably I would. Okay, at the age, yeah, the same time she got got yeah. offered it. But you I, know, two small kids I had then. Okay, the, the priorities turn themselves upside down when you're a parent. And it's also about what you do afterwards, being very well known for an American glossy soap. Yeah. I found with some of Stephanie's work afterwards, she she obviously wanted to continue in America, but that, that perhaps what was available wasn't... Well, there was so much more, I felt, to her as, a, as an actor. Uh, without be, be, being you insulting know, to I her. You I think Steph almost suffers because she's so beautiful. I, I think there's a bit of her that that thinks... That's what she's got. Mm. That's her. That's, that's, that's her unique selling mm. point. I don't think she trusts her own talent. I I agree with you. I yeah, think yeah. she's a terrific actress, but mm. sometimes what she looks like takes over from what she can produce if you leave that in the wings. Um, it's now is that a real struggle generally for women still? Yes, you know? yeah, especially now. You know, I'm 61. I went through, do I have a facelift? Do I, you look what gorgeous, do I do? my darling. Thank you, you darling. Too. Thank you. There speaks the gay fan. <laughs> <laughs> He's not one of them, is he? But it's, it's, a, it's less of a dilemma. You know, I'm 61 now, soon to be 62. It was a big problem at 50, but I've, I've kind of grieved my youth now and I've, I'm coming into this act three of my life which you can rejoice in and some wonderful parts I would hope I unless hope Judy so. Dench gets them all I don't know. Uh, she does get most of them doesn't she <laughs> yeah. but as you know there was a time in my 20s where I had 12 potential jobs on the go Right, that wouldn't happen now it wouldn't happen now not right. for me so it might require more work to get your Get yourself out oh, there as, as an a older patience. You know, I've just changed agents after thirty-two years. Cold Kitchen, I've gone to, and they're they're terrific, and they've they're young and they're hungry, and I, mm. and I'm thinking that might just be what I need. But mm. it's you know that that phrase. It's like changing 
deck chairs on the Titanic, yes. you know, changing <laughs> agents. It's like, what's the point? Was that quite an amicable split after so many years? Or? It was quite sad, actually. Okay. I was quite sad, but mm. I, I had felt a bit sidelined, a bit okay. forgotten. And, and agents are, are very interested in mm. taking sweet young things and developing their career. Of mm. course mm. they are. So mm. I think there was a little bit of ageism going on, but they'd mm. served me terribly well. Over the years, which it is was, a good so full, we, full we left going, you know, thanks for everything. Yeah, and, absolutely. And good luck. Scratch and sniff. You're listening to Scratch and Sniff online with my special guest, Louise Jameson. And if any of you at home would like to contact us about this or any other show, then please seek out our Facebook page, SNS Online. Uh, whilst the Doctor's favourite mode of communication, <coughs> Twitter, uh, which is Scratch and Tweet. Shows will be available to listen again by searching Mixcloud for Nick Randell, uh, that's me, Soundcloud, SNS Online and YouTube. Time to talk about a show now that one or two of you may have heard of. So let's talk about EastEnders because obviously that was that was a, you know a big part of your life and you've got some very strong storylines. You had two of the sexiest sons in show business. <laughs> Didn't I? I've got two of the sexiest sons out of show business in real life well, as well. Yes, I saw a picture of one of them getting married. I thought, oh, oh. <laughs> they're both personal trainers. <laughs> yeah, but um, that must have propelled you in a way that even Doctor Who and Tenko wouldn't, I well, would have thought. Well, you know, thought, when I got it, my, my agent rang me up and said, are you prepared for this? I went, what? He said, well, you know, the high profile. And I went, yeah, yeah, because I thought, well, I've yeah, had it since it before, Doctor yeah. Who, mm. of course. Nothing, Ooh, nothing mm. like it. Terrifying. I mean, it's really... I have a real love-hate relationship with being well-known. You know, it gets you tickets to theatres, it gets you seats in... Restaurants, it gets you memberships to clubs. Mm. Of course, what's not to like? You know, it gets you upgraded on a plane. It's fabulous, all that. But fabulous. you don't come across to me as somebody who has wanted to be an actor to be famous. No, but I. But there was a time when I did um, Bergerac when I was doing Bergerac, and I was on the beach and uh, walking, sunsetting, kids, lovely family moment, and somebody came pounding across the beach at me. I thought, oh, no, not here, not now. Leave me mm. running towards me, running towards me. And I, and they ran straight past me. <laughs> <laughs> no, come they back. Were, they were, well, do you know, there was a bit of me that, oh, they weren't, oh, okay. God, you I would have, I would have a T-shirt, pay me some attention. <laughs> Absolutely. So I thought, I'd take note of this, Lou, because actually yeah, you pretend absolutely. you're fed up with it, but actually you quite like it. Mm. But there was with with EastEnders, you know, this I used to do my supermarket shop while the omnibus was on to to be able to get round. And I wouldn't oh, go to a pub on a Friday night because when you're recognising somebody's pissed, it gets a bit yes. invasive. Yeah. And when school's out, that mm. was horrid. When you get 30 giggling, screaming, screaming, ah, let's throw mm. some Screaming across a platform, and again, you weren't given any, any counselling or not counselling, but some sort of proper professional preparation for this. No, you see, that's what I find so odd. Like when, the X Factor, but it just doesn't seem well, to be support. When, and when Jill Dando died, mm. which was uh, when I was doing EastEnders, huge shockwaves through the whole system. And they were all going, you've got to get CCTV mm, on your absolutely. door. You've got to go. I thought, I'm, you know, if you see where I live, I live in the 
quietest, tiniest mm. little village. It's mm. not, it's the end of it. I haven't even got a road outside my door. I've just yeah. got this little path. And it's like, I'm not going to put cameras up here. Mm. What, you know, what will the neighbours think? It's not, I don't want that kind of, and we had to get written permission, even if we wanted to open our local fate. Mm. We had to. So, that bit of it was just all a bit mm. weird. And I people think... going, where's Beppe? Wherever I went, where's uh. Beppe? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not really his mother. <laughs> <laughs> but I think a lot of people got very paranoid after the Giordano yeah, they incident. Did. And, um, it's like we had our anything... phones tapped, you know. Mm. At, in the, uh, we had a little dressing room each. And those phones were definitely tapped. Oh, but we all had mobiles by then, so who anything would, we wanted to do. Who would be doing that then? Just rabid fans. Oh, the press, mm. of course, mm. yeah. To get mm. whatever they could. And our press department said, if you've got any secrets, let us know what they are and we'll make sure nobody else finds out about them. Oh. You think, yeah, oh, right, yeah. I'm telling the press department. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> all the skeletons in my cupboard, oh, I don't God. think so. Well, <laughs> the way all, to keep a secret is got, to not tell anybody. Yes, well, obviously. <laughs> we've all got those ones, darling. So you did that for, what, two years? Two and a bit, yeah. Two and a bit years. And I, I know you would have liked to have continued for longer, but I guess New well, Brunswick. I was told and, in the November yeah. that we were going to take over the Vic. Mm. Our oh. family was going to take over the Vic. What did I feel about that? Mm. La, la, la. Would I be prepared to stay for five years? I think, oh, yeah. Both kids, so single we, parent. Both yeah. kids coming up to uni. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And then uh, three months later, different producer. Yeah. And I'm out 12 weeks after that. The old crossroads thing with uh, old um, Noel Gordon and yeah, the sunglasses. I... Are you expecting to be fired? <laughs> painful dog, expect to be kicked. That shows my life. I don't. I didn't mind going. It was a little bit of a relief. I mean, the bank balance minded, mm, mm. but I, I, I really, really think, hated that they told the press before yeah. they told me. Oh, they obviously didn't Why would they it do well? that? They said we're worried you're going to go to them first. I think, come on. I've been in this business long enough, not anyway. But you did have happy memories, I mean, but obviously it was very hard work. Oh, I you... love working with my family, those mm. kids, those four kids and the mm. grandchild. Mm. You know, we were, and I, I think they were a bit pissed off with me because it's like in the lunch hour I would haul them, because we got no rehearsal mm. at all, mm. I would haul them into the, my dressing room and go, right, we're going to just bash lines now, we bash lines. Mm. And when we walked on the floor, the crew would go, oh, it's the DeMarcos. They knew they were going to have a, you know, an easy time of it because we'd... Yeah. Because we'd learnt it, yeah. but they would do things like they would if they had if they had um, love life problems in mm. real life, they would come and tell me in my dressing room. Oh, I would t I would ask would, you, Louise. I would. would you? If I had any issue, I don't. <laughs> but you know, and they would take off their coat and mm. hand it to me. If the dresser wasn't around, they'd kind of throw it in my direction, nice. like I really was their oh. mum. And when um, Carrie uh, got her uh, eight GCSEs, you know, all that work, and mm. she got eight A star mm -hmm. GCSEs, we were like. You know, the family. We were just so proud. Well, you probably put together more than the family, I guess, in terms of the, the hours you <laughs> I did to see do. more of them than I saw of my own kids, yeah, oh, it's true. Well. To think I stood by you over that brother of yours. This family gave you a job when no one else would touch her, and this is how you repay us. Excuse me? There's a girl who understands loyalty, I thought. I respect that. Just goes to show how wrong you can be. Out! Did you hear me? I don't know what she's told you, Jackie, but that woman put this family through hell. She destroyed Beppe, you know. Eighteen months it took us to put him back together again. We took turns to look after Joe. We kept the restaurant running. It nearly ripped us apart. Do you love Gianni? 
You're very fond of him? Yeah. See a future together, do you? I don't know. I think so. In that case, you want to be a DeMarco, my girl. You better start behaving like one. Scratch and sniff. Let's have a little a, a brief break because uh, we always have a Desert Island Risks slot, as I call it. <laughs> um, perhaps a piece of music that might have inspired you, either professionally, personally, uh, that, that touched you in some way. Could you, um, you know, the world your lobster, as it were? Okay, well, I've, I've got two actually. Okay. Um, without hesitation, I would say to you, love and affection, Joan Armour Trading. She's been, I've never met her. But I feel like she's a friend. She's seen me through the best and the worst. Mm -hmm. uh, that Joan Armour Trading LP, um, long player for those of you that, <laughs> that don't know, um, saw me through so much. Mm. And that was that whole Tenko time and that whole... It, uh, and, you know, to this day, she goes on... She goes... She comes out through my speakers. I went to see her. She was the last person I went to see in concert. But with the love, I could hold my head back. You took me dancing across the floor, cheek to cheek, but with a love I could really move, really move, I could really dance, really dance, really dance, really dance, I could really move, really move, really move, really move, now if I can feel the song. In the rain on my face Why can't I
piece of music I absolutely adore is Bach Cello Suite number one. I think it's, I wonder, can I say this? It's a bit rude. I think it's the nearest thing to a female orgasm that you could ever hear anywhere. If you just sit and listen to it carefully, it's like, nearly there, nearly there, nearly there. And then it, and then it just releases at the end. You said it so beautifully. It wasn't dirty at all. I just think it's a fantastic piece of music. And the cello is the nearest thing to the voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, acoustically, okay. so it's uh, it it it's a, a noise that you feel as well mm. as hear. Listening to Scratch and Sniff Online with my special guest, Louise Jameson. Let's talk about a little bit more of your theatre work. You mentioned earlier that you were considering having a facelift. Um, and you actually <laughs> wrote now. a you actually wrote a play about well, it. Well Helen right? Goldwyn wrote the play. Uh, this, okay. Um and I I had a very strong hand in it. Okay. You know. And yes, I went I went for my consultation, uh, which cost me a hundred pounds. Oh. Um and I booked it. And then I got a job and I was going to rebook it and I never did. 
uh, we wrote the play instead. <laughs> Quite a s- scary process to even consider something like that. And what, was it more professional or was it a bit of... Uh... Do you know what? I think it was the menopause. Okay. I think it just... <laughs> I, I just got rather depressed at one point and mm. my l- love life went all a bit cockeyed mm. and um, just things weren't jogging on the way they sure. had done up to that point. You needed the tonic. I did need a tonic mm. and I thought a facelift would do it, which is just nonsense. <laughs> I think the people who do that, particularly in the industry, you know, perhaps are still angling for certain types of roles. But I think if you are lucky enough to get rewarding roles as an older actor, there, there is so much richness. in. I think you buy about five years, don't you? Right. Apparently the, fa- the, okay. the first one lifts it for five years then you get you can have another one which will give you another two another one which will give you six months and then you run out of skin You're and then, skeleton, then. <laughs> then you begin to look a bit weird yep. I mean I I I do have contemporaries who've had facelifts mm. and look fantastic mm. um, that's something we mentioned earlier actually <laughs> for, and you know the last you know ten years they've mm. looked amazing okay. and it's just beginning now to look a bit like right. oh okay doesn't quite work now. Yeah. I've had my chin completely taken away, and look at the difference. Look how thin I am. Thin and dainty. Nice. Oh, oh natural is good. Moisturiser is all. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Moisturise me. Moisturise me. Let's talk about Brighton Fringe and your work with Nigel Fares. Now, when did you first meet him? Nigel wrote a script for me for Big Finish, a companion chronicle, mm-hmm. Leela. Um, and Helen Goldwyn was our mutual friend. Right. And so we just all kind of stayed in touch mm-hmm. and he became my gay best friend. And we've gone off and written a play called My Gay Best Friend. Discovering my clitoris. I used to call it my toilet. Honestly. My mum used to say, have you washed your toilet? <laughs> I didn't like it getting clogged up. My mum used to say, what are you doing? I said, I'm getting air to my toilet. She said, we don't, it's not ladylike. <laughs> And also the um, uh, my aliens, my mother's gay. You have to say it. You have to say it. I heard I it. Chose this, this. I heard it this morning. It was fantastic. I just can't remember the title. I chose this title. My mother was an alien. Is that why I'm gay? Mm. Because I have this gay fandom and I have yeah. this science fiction fandom, yeah. and I thought that title would um, just draw them all in. <laughs> draw them all the Bibles. So this is an uh, an audio that you can buy from my website, louisejameson.com. All right. I've packed. So, here we are again. Yes, here we are again. Why do you hate me so much? Don't be ridiculous. Stop feeling so sorry for yourself. Charming. You're pissed. Of course I'm pissed. It's my birthday. No, it isn't. It's somebody's birthday. It's Danny's birthday. What? Daniel, your latest lapdog, my boyfriend. Oh, my God, is it? He didn't say. That's why I came home early. I wanted to surprise him. How sweet of you. Yes, it was. What a devoted boyfriend you are. Aren't I? Congratulations. Thank you. You if play a delicious diva on it. I mm. play an ageing science fiction yeah. star. <laughs> why he thought of me, I can't think. It's a script. It's a very good script. It's a very good script, I agree. So it's you, Nigel, it's not me. I didn't write that one. And you've worked together on in the Brighton Fringe quite like the uh, Honeymoon mm-hmm. from Hell, the um, Asabath Murderers. Uh, uh, I don't know, there's probably more, isn't there? Um, is this more of a, like do, a rep type of 
No, uh, we just go from one project to okay. the next. We, the next thing I'm going to direct is Cruising, which is a musical which is going to the Brighton Festival, uh, which Nigel's related. written. <laughs> yes. Oh, <it> <laughs> what, with the title like Cruising? Well, uh, you know, you know, it could be yes. about around the world from, in 80 days. So. <laughs> I think it's a bit of both. <laughs> okay, um, and uh, we're, we've also got another play on the go, which we're mulling at the minute. So there's so, a hybrid creative talent yeah, going yeah. on. Yeah, and he runs that's... writers' workshops, which okay. you're going to come on. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. No, I'm very interested in yeah. that. Um, as a failed writer so far. Oh, don't ever. <laughs> no, no, no writers failed. You just haven't been recognised yet. Oh, uh, well, I, I, I want to um, take off my mum because she actually managed to do it. So Big Finish, you're back with Tom Baker doing new stuff. You've also set up your own production company, is that yes, right? It's yes. TLC Productions. That's it. How sweet is that? That's the one. So you're, you're I'm very proactive. Encouraging other <laughs> new talents. Yes. Mm. Uh, and and I have a finger in a lot of those pies. You yes. know, I'm in a lot of those shows because I just had to get creative as mm. the as the work wasn't so prolific. Mm. I you know, what what do I know about? Yes. What else can I do? I can teach, I can produce, yes. I can write and why not slip my own performances within all that? Absolutely. Yeah. And this feeds into your drama course that you run. Uh, yes, that's just, yes, that's just... I'm just taking a sabbatical from that. Okay. Uh, because the writing side kicked in to quite an extent mm. and I just haven't got time to do it all. So I do one-on-one with teenagers wanting to mm. get into college. I have quite a good success rate with them. But um, I'm not running the full classes anymore. But I was watching a a news thing about uh, some students that were just so, so enthusiastic about your approach and couldn't say enough lovely things about you. And it's, uh, yeah, it's it's sweet, isn't it? She has her own experiences and it makes it better to hear it from someone who's done so much stuff. She knows about things like audition speeches and especially like Shakespeare. She knows her stuff. Yeah. They are. I mean, they they are adorable. I kind of fall in love with them a bit when I'm working with them, and I'm very non PC as well because you're supposed to say things like, "Do you mind if I put my hand on your shoulder?" Do you mm. mind? And you, you, you can't you say can't, anything these you days. Just, can oh, you? You, you just break. Anything. You just break all spontaneity, <laughs> and it's got to be it's got to be a very safe place for them to play, mm. basically. Yes, and absolutely. the only thing I and come to down breathe creatively. Yeah. yeah. The only thing I come down very heavy on is if they disrespect each other's work. Okay. It's very important that they that they hold that in the place so that everybody feels safe in the room. Well, as an update to what Louise has been working on, let's take a listen to some examples of recent TV film projects, including The Mother-in-Law from Hell in Doc Martin. When you were little, you'd always run after me and say you were sorry. I'm not here to apologise. You threw me out of your house. You gave my baby alcohol. Is that such a hanging offence? It never used to be. You're never sorry for anything, are you? Not this again, Lulu. Well, you show up and you just expect to pick up where you left off. What do you want me to say? It's not about you or what you say, is it? It's more... Are you right? What's the point? Of course I'm right. Now have a glass of wine, we'll talk about something else. Okay, Lulu? Tales of Television Centre. 
you never knew what bands were going to be around and you had to take your pass up on a Wednesday night because otherwise you weren't allowed in. The guy wouldn't let me in one night and, and, and I, because I hadn't got my pass and he, and he said, you might as walked off the street. I was going, what, dress like this? You know, open my dressing gown and I've got this leather leotard on. Then they believed I was either that or I seduced him enough to be able to go into the bar. It's BBC One, it's tea time, which means it can only be time for pointless celebrities. Now then, Louise. Hello. You were, you're my vintage of, of Doctor Who, Don Baker. Yeah, Leela uh, of the Sever team, the that, warrior. Yeah, leather-clad warrior. <laughs> when I left as a leaving present, they gave me a chamois leather. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about uh, this short film that you've done with Mark Gatiss called Cleaning Up, which is a thriller, which I think has won an award for it's best... It's won two best... or three, I think, right. at the, it's, it's at the short film minutes, festivals. 12 minutes. Yeah. And you star in it with, with Mark yes. and one other person. Yeah. And what was all that about? Well, I can't tell you what it's about ah. because it's got such a twist Okay. at the end. <laughs> it's probably the funniest costume I've ever had in my entire life um, at the end. But again, I can't tell Ex you. Okay, um, this, is, this is really quite new then. Yeah, mm. and I, he, uh, Mark's fantastic. Mm. He's he's very sinister assassin, and I run a B and B, and he stays with me, um, and that's how the story starts. But how will it end? <laughs> You're in a new children's BBC series, aren't you? Are you? Yes, you are. Am I? Yes. Not me. Yes, it is you. It's got lots of pictures of oh, kids. Oh, I know what you're seeing. It's only you're in yes, one episode. Yes, 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 I have, yes. Uh, it's Get a called... crit, Louise. Sorry. <laughs> God, I recorded it six months ago. It's been out already. I. That's the last thing I did for telly. It's called... The Dumping Ground. That's it. And it used to be called something else, Tracy... Oh, Tracy Beaker, yes. so it's following on from it's that. it's the follow-on from that. Right. Yes, and I play this um, woman who runs a scam. She, she's, um, she pretends she sees ghosts and talks to people on the other side and mm. gets the odd fiver out of the kids for doing it. It's okay. really horrible. So she comes over as this incredibly generous, lovely woman. But actually, she's, she's shitty. <laughs> I am sensing a young man. In his teens. Uh, no, in his twenties. My brother. Oh, yes, could be. I guess for full stop on this, because we are at Doctor Who's 50th anniversary. Yeah. I'm not a journalist. Are you ticklish at all? Can I get any information from you that way? <laughs> About what's going to happen? Yeah. No, come on, all I come know, on, I absolutely promise you this is all I know. I've been asked to keep those three days free. Uh, which days? Over November 23rd. The date. Oh, the actual date. Yeah, the, that weekend. Well, after after they've done the thing. Okay. How so I'm not. I'm. I haven't been asked to do any filming. I haven't mm. been asked. But there's something happening over that weekend. But you okay. know, nobody's rung the Possibly agent. Possibly a convention or something. Nobody's talked fees. This is such a mystery. Unless you. Well, I mean, you all are stellar actors. So I mean, you know, this could be one big. <laughs> no, I. I believe you. I have heard a couple of other rumours about about stuff but they probably wouldn't be starting it yet it could be literally but like they a... should be booking us now well absolutely i would have thought so so who 
I mean, I would really like to know how Leela's getting on and, and all the rest of it. I mean, how would you like to see... I, I, I know compared to, say, Blanche from, from Tenko, it was, it was a probably more challenging part to inhabit, I would have thought, or to to make convincing to the... the Who, uh, Leela was more challenging. Yeah. Yeah, you? I think you're right. Because basically, especially back in the day, she was there to say, what is it, Doctor? Yeah, so the absolutely. Doctor could then explain to the audience. Mm. And you, you have to make that role as convincing. I think Leela now, how is she now? Is how that how would you like to portray her I if think you she could should write a, it? If you I could think write she it should be some kind of wise old guru with a football team of children behind I don't think she'd be with Andred anymore. Oh, no. I think the children would all have different fathers. My two have different fathers, so I'm <laughs> touching my own life here. Um, yeah, I think she'd be some kind of... Um, not, not not Buddhist, exactly, but she would still have yeah. that... The wise woman of the village yeah, you go yeah, to exactly. about skincare problems or... Exactly. Or, or no, <laughs> no I'm more... Being yes, more more profound than that I think yeah, no, she would work on on a on a kind of Nelson Mandela level well perhaps if if it doesn't happen with Steve Moffat you know big finish if they're listening to this let's have a let's have an old but version but you know they've, d- they've done they've got a wonderful we've just recorded it a okay. wonderful CD coming out where they get all the doctors together. I'm, I've heard of this, yes. Yeah, and right. it's beautifully written by right. Nick Briggs. Oh, Nick Briggs. Yeah. Right. The voice Nick's of the Daleks, of course. Exterminating! Yes, yes. And now his scripts are normally, I mean, they're great, but they're normally chasing down corridors yeah. and things. And I always have a dizzy spell when I do one of Nick's because I'm by a microphone going, <gasps> yeah, <laughs> like that, absolutely. you know, because she's out of breath. But this yeah. one is really clever about time folding in on itself. It's, I can't tell you too much. I'm but very excited about that. I, I am. I'm, I was total. really impressed when I read it. Fanboy's wet dream. And Lana <laughs> says things like, good. God, do you understand it? <laughs> yes, of course. Well, she's married to uh, Richard Dawkins, isn't she? She should understand it all. I've got a lovely Doctor Who story about oh, that. Okay, Tom Baker was the voice for uh, British Telecom for a while. Yeah, if you good. sent a text to yeah. a, a landline, so and fun. Richard Dawkins took great delight in sending Lala messages in Tom Baker's voice. To <laughs> and I will be late home for supper today, darling. She would just freak her out completely. That's so funny. Knock, knock. Who's there? Doctor. Doctor who? <laughs> 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 yes. Yeah, well, ah, very good. Yes, 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 very, very good. good. Nice. Huh? Yes. <laughs> I, I never heard that before. That's no, good. that's... Is, it's wonderful. Yes. is it an old one? Well, I, the ingenuity, I think, is admirable. Yeah. <laughs> Scratch and sniff. Finally, um, we have um, a little scratch and sniff goodie bag oh, for oh. you. Um, there's a couple of extra things in here, but at the moment, we'd just like you to go through them all. And it, uh, each of these presents are a clue to one major pivotal role you played. <gasps> now, the only one you're not allowed to open till last is, is, is the wrapped up one. Okay. So. Do you know my lovely Matt Evenden for my 60th birthday? Mm-hmm. He, he organised a cake. Oh. And dotted around the cake were Russian dolls. Hmm. You know, the one that yes. goes inside the one. Mm-hmm. And each one of them was a different character that I oh, played. That so brilliant. there's a very fat Blanche. There's a really, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's really sweet. So oh, take okay. one out. Some of them are a bit, a bit cheeky. Now, what have you got there? I've got some blackberries. Right. Um, I think the focus there is on berries. Blackberries. More than one berry. Two berries. Berry, berry. 
Oh, ch- uh, the, the Tenko. Okay, I died of beriberi. <laughs> I didn't actually. I died of pregnancy. They yes, to write me out that's why you left. Oh. Um, Jelly Baby as well. It's got to be yeah, Lila, that's hasn't it? Yes, yes absolutely. Ra. Next one. Uh, ra- pasta. Oh, Rosa DeMarco. <laughs> There's only one little pack of eggs, uh, kind of lonely, if you get what I mean. But uh, I'm sure you can do something <laughs> with that with all the skills. Now, the final one is your lucky charm for Doctor Who's 50th anniversary. Not only for the possibility of getting you on for the special, but uh, for, for the rest of your life. So. For the rest of my life? Yes. <laughs> it's, a, it, it's a little Matt Smith, ladies and gentlemen, because you haven't appeared with him yet as Leela and the Doctor. But you will be, because we've decided, basically. <laughs> so I do appear just, just, just rub him every so, night. Ever so mm. briefly, in a, when the screen flashes up all his different companions. Oh. Or was that when David Tennant was on? I can't maybe. remember now, possibly. But there we go. So Louis Look at these just... arm gestures. Can I tell you about when I met David Tennant yes, before you can. I go? Okay. So no, I'm, go now. <laughs> so I'm up in I'm up in Scotland, way before he got Doctor Who. And my niece has trained as a stage manager. Uh, she's now an artist mm-hmm. living in France. Uh, but at that point she was a stage manager and David Tennant was doing theatre and education. Mm. And I went up to see the show to support my niece, Abby. And when he discovered that Abby's auntie had once been Leela in mm. Doctor Who. He went, oh, can I meet her? Yes. And he was brought over in the pub. And he was such a fanboy. You know, what was the, what was your favourite story? And mm. what was Tom Baker like to work with? And, oh, I can't believe I've met Leela and mm. all this. OK, so fast forward to Mark Gatiss' uh, civil partnership. Mm. We're at the wedding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he gets brought over again to be introduced. And he goes, oh, it was absolutely lovely to meet you. And I went, you, we've met before. And he went, well, I remembered, but I didn't think you would. <laughs> and um, I said, I can't. He was playing Hamlet. I said, I can't get I can't get tickets for love nor money. And he went, leave it with me. First night, tickets, Hamlet, pink champagne in the dressing room. Oh. What a darling. Fanboy made good. Well, I'm a fangirl. <laughs> That's brilliant. Be or not to be. That is the question. Louise Jameson, thank you so much for joining the show tonight. Thank you for um, asking our first me. ever scratch and sniff online with my special guest Louise Jameson. Bye. Bye. Lovely to meet you. Well, our thanks again to Louise and obviously to all of you at home for listening. For more on her work, go to louisejameson.com, TLC Productions and Big Finish Productions. Remembering Tenko, a celebration of the classic TV drama series, is also available in all good bookshops and online outlets. Future SNSs will feature public service broadcasting, Dear Zari author and Afghan Women's Hour presenter Zarguna Kaga, as well as music sets from Jaded Kid and DJ Pash. Look out for us in cyberspace and, as usual, never forget to keep dancing. <laughs>